Hi, and welcome to Finding Drishti Podcast. I'm Terry Cohen, a yoga teacher out of Austin, Texas. This week's episode is recording from a four-week workshop series I led at Austin Bouldering Project. We discuss different philosophical concepts to help declutter our minds, which are then applied to how we can approach asana, pranayama, and meditation. I hope this series resonates with you and lightens your mental burden. Find a comfortable seat and listen in. Let's get comfortable. So first part of the class, we're going we're gonna to cover some vocabulary. So we're going to be sitting and kind of just talking and listening for a little bit. So that's what your squishy stuff is for. So feel free to use your blankets, your bolsters, any way that you need. If you want a little bit more lift, you're always welcome to come up onto a block. And we are going to be sitting for parts of this as we go into meditation as well. So at any point, if your foot falls asleep, don't like suffer for 10 minutes where all you can do is focus on the pins and needles in your foot. You can move if you want to just kind of like hang out in any other different way. Don't be afraid to move, okay? This is not like you have to be a statue today. Um, I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be able to, to receive information, to be able to be open to it. So last week, we talked about a parigraha. So just a little bit of review. A parigraha is um, non-hoarding. And we do a lot of hoarding in our lives, whether you realize it or not. Every time that you kind of feel like if you have to let go of something, it's like the worst thing in the world. Um, I always put my kids as examples because kids are, are so open to their emotions. There's like no barrier for them. With my kids, any time that a cheap toy that they got at a friend's party breaks, it's like tears. It's like a meltdown. I can't believe this is made in China thing just broke. I'm like, it was made in China it's gonna break, right? And they keep collecting all of these things and they, they, you know, you lose one piece or something breaks and suddenly it's like the end of the world. So those are our grasping tendencies. Those are our hoarding tendencies that we always wanna keep things close to us because we are so afraid that if we let go of them, the world will fall apart or there's fear of not feeling secure anymore, not feeling safe. And it's just something that we do because we, we are scared and I think it's okay to feel scared. It's a natural human emotion and a natural human reaction that we have. But part of our yoga is learning to kind of retrain our minds. And this is why we're calling this mental detox, because we hold on to so much in our heads. We have to actually train ourselves to go, okay, something broke. Something was lost. It's not the end of the world. I'm going to try not to grasp onto it. I'm going to try not to feel attached to it so that I can feel a little bit more at ease with whatever the situation was. Okay. So that was last week. We were talking about our, our fear of the unknown, how we hold on to too much. And sometimes those things aren't even just physical things, right? Sometimes we stay in a job for too long. How many of us have had bad bosses? Not here. My bosses here are great. Right? You've been in a job where you're like, man, every single day sucks that you don't look forward to it, that you're, you're being berated, that you're being you know, talked down to or whatever the case is, or you've been in a bad relationship for way too long. You probably should have broken up right, a few months ago. Or you have that friend that just kind of sucks the life out of you. Sometimes you are that friend, and that's also a hard, bitter pill to take. But there are these situations that happen in our lives where we hold on for a little too long, and that starts to affect our mind. We are causing a lot of our own suffering by gripping, holding, grasping, hoarding. So part of this process is learning how to 
take a different approach. So today's session, we're going to be talking a lot about impermanence and how to accept impermanence. Impermanence is kind of a hard pill to swallow, right? Because we want to believe that things are going to last forever. We're, we're going to assume that if something good, it's just, we're just going to ride it out, right? This is how it's always been. It's how it's always going to be. And in this day and age, I think especially in the current day and age, we cannot make assumptions anymore. I've been living in this country since I was 13 months old. I got my citizenship when I was 11. I think that I'm safe, but you know what? <laughs> right now, I'm not sure. I actually have like true fear that if I were to leave the country, would they let me back in, even though I have my US passport, even though I'm married to a white American, even though I've been in this country for so long. I, we can't make assumptions, which is really kind of terrible. So I don't want to have those grasping tendencies of that, well, it's always been that way. Well, the law says this, and so things are good, and I shouldn't worry about it. There's a little bit of worry that comes in, and I have to also accept that things could change at any point. And that sounds really, really scary. So what I also add to that is that even though impermanent sounds like, oh, man, well, why should I invest in anything if it's just going to fall apart, if it may not last? That should, deep inside of us, if we really want something, if it's something really valuable to us, make us work harder to keep it. We all like democracy. We like freedom. We like to be able to say what we want to say. And it can't be a guarantee all the time because there are forces outside of us that are always trying to change that. Well, if we really, really, really want something, and we start to see that things might change, then we have to work harder. It's a, it's a call to action from inside of us to take this concept of impermanence and do something with it. It's kind of a mind game that's happening here, right? All the things that we thought were like, these are guarantees. Like, actually, there are no guarantees, which is a little scary, but it could also be empowering. So there's always kind of two ways to look at these as we start to change the mindset of our approach to how we handle difficulty in our lives or change in our lives or transition. The other part about impermanence is that it says everything is in flux. Everything is in a state of change. So think about anything that you, you think of like, well, this is very long lasting, right? Buildings don't last forever. Metal rusts. There could be a hurricane. Right? There could be an earthquake that can change the structure. You know, even documents that they're trying to preserve. There's a lot of work to try to preserve our US Constitution. Right? There are things that people have to do to preserve art, to preserve music and making sure that it's getting passed down through generations. Right? Just because something has existed once, we can't assume that it's always going to exist. It takes some work. So there's fragility in it, in everything. We're always changing. I'm not the same person that I was last week. I'm not even the same person I was an hour ago. I took a few extra breaths in there. Things have happened. I taught another class. I experienced some new energy from other people. So things are always kind of groundless. And that's also scary, too. People want solid. They want ground. They want to know that when they step down, they can feel whatever they're stepping into. So as soon as there's groundlessness, as soon as something has changed enough, 
to go, ooh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of in like unknown territory. This is scary to me. This is, ugh. What's our first reaction? Grip, grab, hoard, hold, keep it close to you. Don't let go, white knuckle it, right? So yoga is really interesting in that they have these concepts that go, you know what, nothing is permanent. Ugh, well, I want to grasp more. But we have to learn to not attach to it. Okay, okay, all right, peel one finger off at a time. I don't want to, I don't want to, this is horrible. I don't like this feeling of floating. But that floating sensation, that vulnerability, that uncertainty, that's really where we have spiritual growth. That's really where we start to see the truth of ourselves. And it's a difficult process, and we're going to start to walk through it a little bit as we get into our meditation today. But just know that this is something that's always happening. There is nothing truly ever completely solid, that things are not always staying the same. We had this saying in our teacher training, not always so. And our teachers would repeat this to us, not always so. Oh man, this really sucks. I'm stuck in chair pose. Not always so. And I'm like, what? This teacher is like blowing fluff up my butt, right? Not always so. But really, you're stuck in a pose you don't like and your teacher's like, stay in there, keep breathing. It's in your own head, the suffering that you're feeling. There might be some strain in your legs. Yes, true. But that's also building strength, right? You have to fatigue your muscles. You have to get to that place of like, ugh, before something else kicks in and you build strength. Same idea with anything mental that we're working on. Right? Anything that you're experiencing spiritually in your life. Ugh, it makes me feel icky. Lean into it. Stay with it. Try not to grip into it and know that it's not always so. It will change. It's always changing. By breath five, it was different from breath two. By breath 10, different from breath five. Right? So the longer you work this practice, and continue to work it, you will realize that change is coming, that change has always been there, and that we can slow down that progress of change by gripping, or we can peel our fingers off a little and go, okay, let's just see where this goes. Let's just keep breathing, let's just keep going. Make changes based on what you're feeling rather than what somebody else is doing or what you think is supposed to happen. And we kind of throw our assumptions out, we throw our expectations out, and we allow ourselves to sit in that like weird middle space of floating and see what happens. It's kind of a really interesting place to be, yeah. So for those of you guys who are taking notes, anitya, A-N-I-T-Y-A, that's the Sanskrit for impermanence. So if you're interested in Google searching, going down a rabbit hole there. So anitya talks about transition, it talks about state of flux, talks about things always moving, and things aren't always moving linearly. It's not like a straight path. When we talk about impermanence, we're talking about kind of a zigzag, right? Things are always going, and maybe it goes backwards a little. Maybe it goes this way. Maybe it goes out and in. Maybe it goes up and down, right? So there's no telling which way it's going to go, and we kind of have to just be like, okay, that things are always moving and always changing. So then putting this back into story of my kids and their toys, their grasping tendencies. When I try to teach them about impermanence, like, well, this isn't going to last forever, right? It's a cheap toy. You got it at a birthday party. It costs all of like two cents, right? Don't get too attached to it. Two things usually happen with kids. 
They go, but my precious, right? I don't want, this is my favorite top I've ever had. It's like plastic and made of cardboard. Or they go, well, if it's going to break anyway, I'll just throw it away. And they're very flippant about it, right? There's like always these two extreme reactions that happen. We either want to hold on even tighter or we go, well, I don't really care. Let's throw it away. So we don't want this feeling of impermanence to push us to extremes. We do want to stay in that middle space. This isn't about being flippant and being uh, wasteful, right? Just because we, we have wet wipes that we can throw away all the time doesn't mean that you should just do that, right? You just try to use what you can, find the max productivity of something. And then when it is time to let go, be okay with letting it go. And that's a more middle path. That's what we're aiming for. We want to have that equanimity. We don't want the big swings. We don't need the big swings because life is already throwing big swings at us. So what do you need to do? Just try to stay in the middle. Right? So another concept that we're working here is vairagya, V-A-I-R-A-G-Y-A. And that's talking about non-attachment. Non-attachment. So not saying, well, this relationship's never going to work, so I, sh I shouldn't even invest myself in it. Extreme. Well, I know this relationship isn't going to last forever, so I better hold on as tight as I can until I smother this person. No. <laughs> can we enjoy it moment by moment? Can we try to stay in the present moment as much as we can? This middle path is about being as awake and as alive as we can every time we're in it. And we try to do this with our yoga practice, our, our physical practice, right? Your teacher cues every single breath. Inhale, reach your arms up. Exhale, fold forward. Right? They're giving you every single breath so that you don't have to use your mind and let it wander off. You come into a pose that starts to feel a little shaky, or it's a pose that feels kind of easy. We're doing like a hip stretch, and it feels good. Right? What I always tell my students when we get into those places where we're kind of hanging out for like a hip stretch for you know four, five, six, seven breaths is to feel enough to be in it deep enough that you can feel muscles engage, you're feeling some stretch where we're working on, not so much that you're gritting your teeth and you might cry, right? And I've seen that. Some people get, they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this lizard pose like to the extreme. And their teeth are like, oh, their faces are so scrunched up and they're shaking all over. There's no reason to do that, right? Enough. And then there's some people who are naturally flexible and they might come into a hip stretch and they, they're just like in it. But they've checked out. They're making shopping lists. I can see them picking at their nails. I can see them checking their smart watches, right? Again, two extremes. Too much gripping, nothing at all. Right? So we want to get into that middle space where you're feeling enough. Enough that you can stay in the moment completely, that your mind isn't wandering off on you, that your, your breath is lost, where you don't even realize, well, are, you, are you breathing? I don't know. Did you take an inhale? Did you take an exhale? So you want to stay right in that middle. You want to stay where you can feel enough, going moment by moment, being as present as you can. Okay. So I'm going to read a few passages for you um, that help demonstrate these. So this one, is the author for both of these is Pima Chodron, P-E-M-A. C-H-O-D-R-O-N, and this book is called When Things Fall Apart. And so she says, impermanence is the essence of everything. It is babies becoming children, then teenagers, then adults, then old people, 
and somewhere along the way, dropping dead. Impermanence is meeting and parting. People have no respect for impermanence. We take no delight in it. In fact, we despair it. We regard it as pain. We try to resist it by making things that will last. Forever, we say. Things that we don't have to wash. Things that we don't have to iron. Somehow, in the process of trying to deny that things are always changing, we lose our sense of the sacredness of life. We tend to forget that we are part of the natural scheme of things. So again, coming back to that idea of how do you react when you start to accept impermanence in a situation? In the situations where something not great is happening, say you've experienced a bad breakup or death in the family, something like that. Impermanence in those spaces, you're like, that was a hard pill to swallow. This is a lot of hard things to take in because I thought they were going to last longer, right? And that there's almost this um, anger and fight that happens inside of us when things aren't going well, right? That there's that acceptance of impermanence at some point, right? You always talk about like stages of grief, right? Where you go through all these series of emotions and at some point you have to accept it's over. It's over, that it's done. But that's also part of life. Like we can't stay wallowing in that low place. You can start to develop really deep depression that way. You can, you know, put yourself in a place where you really need to go find outside help at some point because um, just breathing and thinking isn't going to be enough. So just be mindful of those things. That understanding that impermanence could get to that place, you just, you still need to accept it because once things are gone, sometimes they're gone. Now. There are situations where it's a temporary discomfort, right? You're taking a test. I don't know. We're, I think we're all old enough. We don't have to take tests anymore. They're always tests in life. But you're, you're, you're taking a test of some sort, a metaphorical test. Um, at least you know it won't last forever. So there's an upside sometimes to our impermanence. That this feeling that we have, this yuckiness, will eventually pass. I remember when my oldest one was three. I don't know if any of you guys have had to deal with three-year-olds. Three-year-olds are the worst. Let's just put that out there. Three-year-olds are the worst, okay? Two was very cute. Terrible twos, they're having a tantrum. They're in the middle of H-E-B, Target. They're on the floor. It's like, oh my God, so cute. This toddler's having a tantrum. Okay, let's go now. Let me give you like a piece of chocolate. You know, it's like so easy to pull them out of that. Three is like, they talk back to you. Uh, there's this attitude. Sometimes you'll hear the word three-nager. When my oldest one was three, I was so thankful I had a new baby. And babyhood is hard. I was so happy to have a new baby so I wouldn't have to deal with a three-year-old, though. And I just remember talking to other moms who had kids who were finally like four, five, six, and they're like, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. You will get through this. And I'm like, well, why do we even have to go? Why, why does three exist? Right? Why does three exist? Why does this stage of life even exist? And we have stages like that all throughout our lives. You're going you're gonna to experience them. They almost have to exist to get to four. Four was good. Four, they sleep most. Right? It's like a rite of passage. We have certain things that we have to get through. And in those cases, we can use impermanence in a way to say, 
okay, this will not last forever. At some point, my child will have to sleep through the night and not in my bed. He will learn to sleep in his own bed, and it will be for the whole night, and I will be able to sleep again at some point. I don't know when that is, but it will come. And I have to hold on to this idea that impermanence is going to kick in. This is not a permanent stage. This is temporary, and we will get through it. So whether you have a three-year-old, or even if it's something else job-wise, relationship-wise, life-wise, you're going through a quarter-life crisis, third-life crisis, middle-life crisis, whatever that crisis is, impermanence will help us get through that because we know it won't last forever. So there's a little, there's something better on the other side, or at least something different on the other side. Because again, things are always in flux. Things are always changing. Just know that they will never stay exactly the same. You'd have to work really hard to keep it close to the same. Thank goodness they turn four. Okay. All right. So we're going to get into some seated meditation. If you are new to meditation, I'm going to give you a few ways to set up your seat. Crisscross applesauce is a great place to start. You do want a little bit of lift underneath the seat. So you might come forward of your blanket and see how that feels just for a little lift. If you need more, you can grab your blank, or blanket, hello, block. So that you're sitting on your block and really allowing those knees to drop forward. You want your pelvis relatively level, a little bit tipped forward, okay? So what we're making sure we're not doing is um, the slump, right? The watch TV, eat popcorn slump. So that's a cross-legged seat that you can play with. You can also come into kneeling, whether that's just on the blanket or on your mats, knees together. Some people like knees apart, seat all the way down. If that's uncomfortable for the ankles, you can do feet apart sitting onto a block. Each of your legs don't have to do the exact same thing. This works just fine, one leg up. You could cross one leg forward into like a half cross-legged seat, one leg forward, okay? So experiment with these. You've got a couple blocks to play with. You've got something squishy. Make sure that whatever you choose that um, you can hang in there for a while. We're going to do about five to seven minutes of seated meditation. So if your foot does fall asleep, know that you're allowed to move, change things out. But just try to start from as comfortable as a seat as you can. We're going to get your spine as tall as you can get it. You want those shoulders floating over your hips, and just close your eyes. Good. Feel the breath move up and down the length of your spine. There might be times where your shoulders are going to want to start to fall into our Netflix mode. And if you notice that, don't worry about it. Just roll those shoulders back and behind, sit up as tall as you can, and come back to your breath. So our breath is easy here. This isn't like an ujjayi breath, a really strong breath. It's a natural in and out. To fill the lungs fully, and then a soft exhale, we're just letting the breath come back out. So it's not a forced breath in or out. And so as you're finding your breath here and finding your seat, we want to keep a relaxed state through the face. And you might leave a little separation between your top and bottom teeth. 
You might feel your tongue fall to the bottom of your mouth. Relax the space between your eyebrows. And you can feel your ears relax. And if you tend to have a mind that likes to wander, right? if this is new to you, this might feel like, ooh, she's having me sit quietly and still for a long time. Don't worry about it. As soon as your mind starts to wander, just label that thinking and then bring it back to your breath. And spend these first few breaths just observing how the body's reacting, the quality of your breath, and the length of your breath. So let's start by reading a passage here that I go to often. And Pima Chodron says, we are like children building a sandcastle. We embellish it with beautiful shells, bits of driftwood, and pieces of colored glass. The castle is ours, off-limit to others. We're willing to attack if others threaten to hurt it. Yet despite all our attachment, we know that the tide will inevitably come in and sweep the sandcastle away. The trick is to enjoy it fully, but without clinging. And when the time comes, let it dissolve back into the sea. So I want you to think about a time when the ground fell out from underneath. And you don't have to share that with anybody, just start to bring it to mind. And if you can place yourself back to that time, can you remember back to how you first reacted? What was that first initial emotion that came out? It might have been anger, it might have been disbelief, it might have been frustration, it might have been sadness. Now explore that a little bit and see if you can kind of start to pinpoint why that emotion came out first. Now your initial emotion to something is like a knee-jerk reaction. So put yourself a week after that incident. Did you notice change a week out versus when it was a fresh wound? Maybe something changed in between there. Maybe there was more information that came out. Maybe you had time to sit with it for a little longer. Maybe you talked with somebody about it and they gave you a different perspective to play with. I know when I'm having conversations with a friend of mine who tends to stay in that initial reaction and then she kind of dwells and dwells and dwells on that, and she doesn't share anything from it with anybody else, that those initial reactions start to fester. It's almost like an open wound, right? It starts to get a little putrid. And when I finally have a conversation with her about, and this is the first time that she's ever shared whatever that was that happened with me, I'm an outside perspective. I wasn't with her when whatever it was happened. 
And so I don't have that same gut reaction. I have a, oh, well, did this happen? Right, being able to examine it from a different angle to a, well, maybe that other person was actually thinking this, right? You try to play devil's advocate. You try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I can see, or if I'm on the phone with her, I can even hear almost those first layers of the outside, that armor that you immediately put up when you feel trauma or you feel anger, you feel wrong, the things start to peel away just a little bit. And it's not my job as her friend to dissect it, unless she asks me to help her. But it was my job as her friend to just listen, right, so that she had a place to release. And then we can come back to these concepts of impermanence and non-attachment. This too shall pass. Not always so. What was worth keeping in there? Can you work on putting a little more attention to that energy rather than the energy that will bring you down? The energy that will suck you into that black hole. And then is there room to let go of our anger or our frustration or anxiety? Instead of getting pulled into that cesspool of angry thoughts, is there a way to start to peel her grip from those emotions? One finger at a time. And even if you have an outside friend helping you to assess the situation, they can't physically peel the grip off for you. You did it yourself. All they can do is be a safe container for you to work on peeling it off yourself. To start to realize, maybe I don't need to hold on to this emotion so tightly. Maybe I don't need to be so attached to feeling vengeance or whatever that other reactions that came up. And we constantly need to come back to that idea of impermanence. This will change. Change doesn't happen immediately, but it will change in subtle ways and then sometimes in big ways if we let them. That sometimes we get stuck in places because we were too attached to the anger. That we held on to it because it's easier to just stay angry. Because you can bitch and moan for like 30 extra minutes every time you talk to that friend. It's harder to let go. It is hard to detach. Because once you start to detach, you get into that place of groundlessness. Well, I knew anger. I was very comfortable with anger. Suddenly, I, I should be angry, right? No, maybe not. I don't know. How am I supposed to feel? There's no handbook to this. So that groundlessness is a place 
to start exploring. How else can I look at this? How else can I take a step back? Maybe I don't have to be in that place all the time. I know I shouldn't be, but how do I get out? How do I move beyond it? How do I move forward? Take a few more breaths here and just allow for all of that just to resonate through the body. Allow that to resonate in your mind and allow that to resonate with your breath. I think sometimes the most frustrating things when you talk to a yoga teacher hoping to use them as a therapist is that we don't have the answers for you. We don't have answers. All we can do is hold space for you and guide you to a place of less gripping. But it's up to you. You put the armor up. You're the one gripping. It's up to you to find that middle path. And it's up to you to explore whatever it is that you need to finally transform to whatever that next version of you is. I'll read you one more passage here before I bring you out of your meditation. And it says, our natural tendency is to seek security. We believe we can find it. We experience impermanence at the everyday level as frustration. We use our daily activity as a shield against the fundamental ambiguity of our situation, expending tremendous energy trying to ward off impermanence and death. We don't like it that our bodies change shape. We don't like it that we age. We are afraid of wrinkles and sagging skin. We use health products as if we actually believe that our skin, our hair, our eyes and teeth might somehow miraculously escape the truth of impermanence. Start to deepen your breath again. Sit up a little bit taller. And start to flutter the eyes open. That's a lot of information, right? And I think the first few times when I started to read a little deeper into this philosophy, looking at impermanence, of non-attachment, of non-hoarding, um, it highlighted a lot of things that uh, I realized I was doing that was causing my own suffering. Right? I think it took me like eight months to get over my first breakup. In retrospect, I'm like, why did I waste so much time? Well, it was easier to be mad at him. He was a jerk, right? It was easier to hold on to that anger. Now, I mean, I'm still Facebook friends with him, but I don't check his page anymore. I don't think he really updates anything anymore. I'm married. I've moved on. I've got kids. Like, I cannot stay stuck to something that was painful in my past, right? That is gone. That's in the past. It's over. 
So when we have these sticking points, and you could probably draw a timeline and go, this was the time that somebody wronged me in elementary school. This is the time that I got cheated on. This is the time I really wanted a job and I didn't get it and somebody else who was underqualified took that job and I'm still holding on to those, right? We can pin those points throughout our lives and instead of going, man, look at all these ways I've had bad luck in my life, you go, you know what? I don't have control of everything. I have to learn to let that stuff go. Yeah, it's part of our history, you know, and your history has an influence on who you are today. Right? You, don't, you try not to make the same mistakes over and over again. And the sooner that we can get to a place of acceptance of impermanence, that we don't need to be so attached to things, your life will get a little lighter. It will, because you don't have the mental burden of holding on to past wrongs and past experiences and, and hanging on to that for too long. All right, we've sat enough, so we're gonna move our bodies a little bit. Let's move your blocks toward the front of your mat, and they'll just be there in case you need them. And we're gonna be working some balancing poses today with the purpose that we will feel flux and imbalance. If you normally come to my vinyasa classes, I do one-legged balances all the time because they teach you so much about yourself. Try to have a sense of humor about balance. Right? If you're the one falling over every two seconds, cool, whatever. That's who you are today. It's going to change tomorrow. We'll change next week. There are days only my right leg balances. There are days only my left leg balances. There's some days where I balance probably better on my hands than I do on my feet. So be okay with that. Um, have a sense of humor about it. We'll just move our bodies from here. All right, let's come into child's pose. You can take your knees wide, big toes together. Sink your hips back toward your heels. Get your arms forward. Take a moment here and just let your hips get really heavy. Let the ground hold you. Start to stoke up your breath. Breathe fully into the back body. Feel it puff up. Now let your exhale fully relax the body, belly dropping in toward the floor. And we'll take three more breaths just like that. Two more. One more breath in. And let's start to come up onto hands and knees. Bring your wrists directly underneath your shoulders. Spread your fingers wide. Bring your knees directly under your hips. Good. We'll just move through some cat-cows from here. So on your inhale, let your belly drop toward the floor. You're going to open your chest, reach your heart forward. As you exhale, push into the ground. You're going to round from the low back, mid back, upper back. Let your head relax. Inhale, open the chest, lengthen the front line of the body. Exhale, push the ground away and round. Now keep moving with your breath and just work through the spine from the tailbone forward for both your inhale and for your exhale. Can you make your inhale the same length as your exhale? Can you match your movement with the pace of your breath?
Okay, now come back to a neutral spine and just check again. Your wrists are underneath your shoulders, your knees are underneath your hips. Spread your left fingers really wide and press it into the floor. You're going to reach your right arm forward like you're shaking somebody's hand. Good. Now put some weight into your right knee. We're going to extend your left foot behind you like you're trying to leave a footprint on the wall. Yeah, you might want to just make sure that you don't kick somebody in the face. <laughs> I think we're pretty good here, spacing-wise. Good, now flex your left foot. Toes are down. Heel is pushing back behind you. Your right arm is reaching forward. If your belly is sagging down, hug it back into the spine. Feel all these little wobbles that need to work through the body to stay balanced. Take two more breaths in. One more inhale, find a little bit more reach. Good, on the exhale, you're gonna start to bring your elbow in towards your knee. So right elbow towards your left knee, curl in under your body. Inhale, we're gonna extend everything back out. Exhale, curl in elbow to knee. One more time, inhale, extend. Exhale, curl in. Find your extension one more time. Notice if your shoulders are level or if one side is lifting up on you. Good. Notice if your hips are level or if one side is lifting up on you. Take one last breath in. And then gently your right hand down and your left knee down. Coming back to a neutral spine. We'll work the other side. Left arm reaches forward. Spread your right fingers wide. Extend your right leg back behind you. Okay. Take a moment and just scan through the body. Make your left, sorry, your right foot nice and strong, pushing toward the back wall. See if you can really get that left arm reaching forward and then hug your belly back in toward the spine. Take one more deep breath here. As you exhale, slowly bring your elbow towards your knee and curl into the belly. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, curl in. Inhale, get long. Last time, curl in on the exhale. Inhale, lengthen. Pause here for your exhale. Take another inhale. Good, let's gently release your hand and your knee. From here, you're gonna tuck your toes and lift the knees off the ground just a couple inches, hovering, yeah. Try to keep your spine long from your tailbone to the crown of the head. You're looking somewhere on the floor, maybe just a little forward of the fingers. Take two deep breaths here. Feel your thighs start to engage, your belly hug in. One more breath in. Good, let's start to lift the hips up into a downward facing dog. And then once you get your hips up nice and high, pedal out the feet, move through the knees. Good, spread those fingers really, really wide. Roll from the heel of your hand through the palm into the webbing of your fingers. Feel your knuckles press down and even your finger pads. Now soften your knees from here and see if you can push your hips up a little higher and toward the back wall. You're gonna feel your heart drop toward your thighs and your head fully relax. From here, you're gonna step your feet as wide as your mat and then walk your hands about halfway down your mat. Keep your left hand on the mat. You're going to reach your right hand underneath towards your left leg, whatever you can grab, ankle, thigh, calf. Let your head drop. Look under your left armpit. 
Now your left hand is spread really wide. Keep pushing out of that left hand up to the hips. And just feel this twist move through the body. Take one more breath in. Breath out. Let's release your right hand to the floor. We're going to take our twist on the other side. Left hand's going to reach over toward your right leg, whatever it can connect into. You can use this hand to pull you a little deeper into the twist. Look under your right armpit. Use that right palm. Press all the way up toward the hips. Let's stay for one more breath. Good. Release your hands back to the floor. Bring your feet back to hips width distance, and we're going to walk your hands all the way forward until you're at the top of a plank. Push up at the top. Broaden across your chest, hug your belly in toward the spine. Deep inhale, you're gonna rock forward on your tiptoes. Exhale, try to lower everything down to the floor at the same time. Point your toes behind once you get to the bottom. We're gonna take a little baby cobra, hands stay underneath your shoulders, elbows are next to your ribs, slide your heart forward and up. Two breaths here, feel your shoulder blades squeeze. One more inhale. Exhale, lower down. Tuck your toes from here, high plank, inhale, press the ground away. Stay for your exhale. Take one more inhale. Downward facing dog from here, lift your hips, relax the calves. Fingers spread wide. Good. Inhale your right heel high. Exhale, step your right foot between the hands. Good. Move your left hand to the left a little bit. Plant that left hand. We're going to open right arm up to the sky for a twist. Okay. Now make sure your right foot is forward enough that it can support your right knee, wherever your right knee ends up. And then make this an active opening across the chest. Spread your left fingers wide. Push the ground away. Okay. Take one more breath here. Exhale, release your right hand. Step your right foot to the back of the mat. If you'd like a vinyasa from here, you can move through or just come straight into downward facing dog. Our vinyasas are high plank to low, some amount of heart opener, toes pointing behind, and then moving into your down dog. From your downward facing dog, inhale your left heel high. We'll step your left foot forward. Okay. Move your right hand out to the right a little bit, plant that hand, open your left arm up to the sky. And feel for that balance from your front foot to the back. If you're feeling super wobbly, try separating your feet a little. Move that left foot a little bit more to the left. Can you make this opening active across the chest? And take one more breath in. Exhale, release. Step your left foot to the back of the mat. You'd like a vinyasa, feel free to move through. Inhale, toes point behind, open chest. Exhale, flip the feet, downward facing dog. Breathe in and breathe out. Good. Look up at the top of your mat. Step or hop your feet there. Inhale. We'll take a half lift. Hands to your shins. Heart forward. Flat back. Exhale. Fold. Do that again. Inhale. Halfway lift. Exhale. Fold. One more time. Inhale. Half lift. Exhale. Fold. This time, inhale, rise all the way to stand. Take your arms to the sky. Exhale, bring your palms together at heart center. Good. Bring your big toes to touch. You'll keep about an inch between the heels. Roll your shoulders back and behind. Close your eyes for a moment. 
you might take a little bit of a rock forward into the toes and then a little rock back into the heels and then see if you can find the center of your foot. Spread all 10 toes wide. Now see if you can feel for your big toe mound. And then the toe mound under the pinky toe. And then right in the center of your heel. You want to try to balance those three points equally. Now feel for your knees to float over your ankles. Feel your hips floating over your knees. Get as long through the spine as you can. Your shoulders are floating over your hips. And then the crown of the head, just the cherry on top. We'll take another breath in. And a breath out. Flutter your eyes open. Inhale, reach all the way up. Exhale, fold forward and down. Take your thigh bones back so you have room for that forward fold. Inhale, halfway lift. Good. Exhale, hands to the floor. Step your feet back. Let's move through your vinyasa if you'd like it. Elbows in as you lower. That's your exhale. Inhale, flip your feet. Open through the chest. Exhale, downward facing dog. Breathe in. Breathe out. Good. Right heel high. Inhale. Exhale, step your right foot between the hands. We're going to come up into a high crescent lunge. So arms are going to go up to the sky. And as soon as you lift, make some adjustments in your feet. You need your right foot on the right side of the mat. You want your left foot on the left side of the mat. Your feet are on parallel tracks. We don't want them on a tight wire. Good. Deep enough bend into this right knee that you feel enough. You're not crying. You're not checked out. Right. Soften your shoulders. Take another breath in. And a breath out. Good. Cactus your elbows wide. Squeeze your shoulder blades together. Now find a little lift of the heart. Maybe even look up toward the ceiling. Good. Feel your legs working to keep you balanced. Use your inner thighs to stay with the center line. Can you feel those three points in your right foot working equally? Take one more breath. Good. Inhale, reach your arms back up. All right, we're going to shift the weight into your right leg, and we're going to come all the way up into a standing bow. So hands at heart center, press out of your right leg, so you can lift up your left knee. Flex your left foot. Okay. You're going to need, your, need to use your inner thighs here. Really squeeze into the center. Now pick something across from you, just a speck on the wall. Glue your eyes there and breathe into it. That's your drishti point, your focal gaze. You can use that for stability, for balance so that somebody else's wobbling isn't distracting you. Now feel your right foot press into the floor. The floor is going to rebound up into your foot, giving you a little bit more height all the way to the crown of the head. Relax your shoulders. Take another breath in. And we're going to slowly open this knee out to the left. You can hold this knee or you can float it. You want to really challenge the balance? Keep this knee floating and look over your right shoulder. Feel all the little wobbles happening in your right foot. Two more breaths. Have a sense of humor about balance. One more inhale. If you had turned your head, look back forward. We're going to cross your left ankle over your right thigh and sit into the hips. This is a figure four. So your left knee is pointing toward the mirror. Your foot is pointing toward the brick wall. And you want to sit into the hips a little so you start to feel your hips open. Good. All right. Let's see if we can find those blocks in front of you. I recommend highest height. Shift a little bit more weight into the hips. You should feel that right 
sorry, your left hip open just a little more. Use these blocks for stability. Play with the depth here. Feel enough. If you hate this pose, not always so. Two more inhales. One more breath in. Okay. Start taking this all the way into a fold. Lift your hips a little, let your head drop. You can change the height of the blocks if you need them lower at this point. Two more breaths here. One more inhale. Okay. We're going to come back to your standing figure four. So re-bend your right knee. So you can bring your hands back to heart center. There is still a bend of this knee. Take another breath. All right, we're gonna move this left knee back out to the left. Stand up tall. Stay for your exhale. Take one more inhale. Bring this knee through center. All right, we're gonna extend this left foot forward. Try not to lean back to make that happen. Stand up tall. Use your belly, use your hip flexor. Feel everything that's happening through your right leg. Last breath. Good, bend this knee, take it all the way to the back of the mat, touch your toes back down into your lunge. Reach all the way up to the sky. Try smiling, sometimes it helps. One more breath. Exhale, touch your hands down. Step your right leg back, let's move through vinyasa. Use your down dog as a time to find your hands and your feet again if you're feeling a little groundless. Use it as a time to find your breath again. Take two more breaths here. Shift a little more weight up into the hips, down into the legs. And one more inhale. Good. Inhale your left leg high. Step your left foot between your hands. Let's come up into a high crescent lunge. Arms to the sky. Back heel is lifted, it's stacked over the ball of the foot. Okay. Play with the depth of your lunge that you can feel enough. And then hug into the center line. And we want to balance the amount of effort that is needed for each pose with as much relaxation that you can offer. So gritting your teeth here doesn't help you hold on. Try relaxing it. So you can come back to the muscles in your legs and through your torso that are really needed. One more breath. Good, cactus out your elbows, open the chest, reach up a little through the heart. Changing the gaze can change your balance. So instead of having to kind of peek down all the time at your feet, see if you can just feel them into the floor, spread those toes wide. Feel those pressure points in your left foot. Feel them equal in pressure and weight. Use your inner thighs here, keep you centered. Take one more breath in. Good, inhale, reach all the way back up. We're gonna start to move into our balances. So hands into heart center, you're gonna shift your weight forward into your left leg, pick up your right knee. So take the time to set up that left foot, make sure that the toes are as wide as they can be so you have a little wider base to work with. Lift all the way up through the crown of the head. Soften your shoulders. Two deep breaths in. 
One more inhale. Good, slowly open your knee out to the right. You wanna challenge the balance more, look over your left shoulder. Two more breaths in. One more breath here. Good, bring your gaze back through center. We're gonna slowly cross this ankle over your left thigh, sit into the hips, figure four. Good, keep a flex of your right foot that'll protect your right knee. Now think about a little weight on your tailbone, pulling your spine longer. Crown of the head is floating. Use these two opposing forces. Okay, and then from here, we're gonna to start to find your blocks and sit the hips back a little. This is more like a supported figure four. Yeah, keep that right foot flexed. As you shift more weight into the hips, you should feel a little bit more engagement through that right hip, allowing it to deepen in the stretch. Take another breath here. Okay, now take this all the way into a forward fold, starting to lift the tailbone a little and let your head drop. Use those blocks as much as you need. Good, last breath here. Come back to your standing figure four. Hands at heart center, slight bend of your left knee. Two breaths here. Tailbone down, chest open, one more breath. Good, take your right knee to the side. Stay for your exhale. One more inhale. Knee through center. Stay for the exhale. Take an inhale. Push your right foot forward. See if you can stay as tall as you can to the crown of your head. One last breath. Bend this knee, slowly take your foot to the back of the mat, your back in your lunge. Reach all the way up. Stay for the exhale. Last inhale. Touch the hands to the ground. Left leg goes back and behind. If you need to move your blocks out of the way, move your blocks out of the way. Good, vinyasa of your choice will be in back and down dog when you're done. Just feel in your body that when you came into those standing balances, was there a lot of gripping happening? A lot of hanging for dear life. As we go into our next flow, we'll add a few more different balances, but see if you can relax a little more where you don't need to be holding on so tightly. See if you can feel for muscle engagement deeper into the muscle rather than on the surface. Take one more breath. Good, right heel high on an inhale. Exhale, step your right foot forward, but keep your hands on the floor. So we're in our low lunge from here. All right, we're gonna move this into a standing split. So this is where your blocks might be helpful. You're gonna shift your weight into your right leg, find your blocks, lift your left leg up to the sky. We want most of the weight to still be on your right leg. So we don't wanna be leaning all into the blocks that your right heel might start to lift or all the weight is in your toes. So find that balance in the right foot first. Now standing split, we're lifting the tailbone up and then letting your head drape forward and down as if you're just doing a standing forward fold. 
Now see if you can level out your hips. Drop that left hip. It might mean your left leg goes a little lower. That's okay. Once the hips are level, you can ask for a little more muscle engagement in that left hamstring and then the back and see if that helps lift the hip leg just a little bit. Good. One more breath here. As you exhale, bring your left knee behind your right, and you're going to bend your right knee. So it's going to look like a little squat. You're going to look forward. And then we're going to take it all the way back up to a standing split. Left leg goes high. Again, left knee behind right. Sit into your hips. Squeeze the knees together. All the way back up. One more time. Left knee behind right. Good. All the way back up. Now using your blocks, push your heart forward so that your back is flat. All right. Heart is forward, most of the weight is still on your right leg. Let's see if we can pick your hands up off of these blocks and bring them to heart center. Warrior three. One more breath here, hang in there. Touch your left toes behind, reach your arms to the sky, high crescent. Make some adjustments in your feet. Stay for the exhale. One more breath in. Good. We're going to open this out into warrior two. So your left heel is going to come down. Your right arm is going to open forward. Hips open to the side. Chest open to the side. Take a little longer stance. Walk your right foot forward a little bit. And then find enough engagement through your right thigh. Track your right knee straight forward. Somewhere between like the second and third toe if you need something a little more visual to work with. And then your knee is stacked over your ankle. It's not going past the toes. Now turn your left toes forward, maybe like 45 degrees. Seal the outer edge of your left foot down into the floor. Slide your shoulder blades back in space like you're up against a wall. Relax them. Now turn your gaze beyond your right middle finger. Something in the front of the room. Pick a spot. Two breaths. One more inhale. Good. Stay in the legs. Flip your right palm. Take it up to the sky. Reverse warrior. Left hand will touch your back thigh or wrap behind your low back. Without having to look at your right knee, can you feel whether you lost some of the bend in your knee? Can you feel if your right knee is wandering to the left? Maybe play with the depth of this right knee bend. And I give you a little bit more opening through the right side body. One more breath here. Good. Now push out of your right big toe mound. Keep reaching the arms up. Both legs are straight. Sorry. Right arm is still up. Right leg is straight. This is Sky Archer. Long line from your right big toe all the way up to your right fingers. Take one more deep breath in. Exhale. You'll cartwheel everything down to the floor. Step your right leg back. Let's move through your vinyasa if you want it. Otherwise, meet us in downward facing dog. Two breaths here. One more inhale. Good. Left heel high. Inhale. Exhale. Step your left foot forward. We're coming straight into our standing split. So you want to shift your weight into your left leg. Find your blocks. Pop your right heel up toward the sky. Put those blocks at any height that you need. And then start to work a little deeper into this forward fold. Tailbone goes up, top of the head drops forward and down. You might bend the elbows. Feel for if more weight is coming into your hands than is staying in your leg. 
Two more breaths here. One more inhale. Good, as you exhale, bring your right knee behind the left and sit into the hips. Inhale, extend all the way back up. Exhale, right knee behind left. Inhale, press it back up. One more time, exhale. Come all the way back up. Good. From here, you're gonna press your hands into the blocks. You might need to bring them just a little bit more forward. Open the chest forward. Bring your eyes forward of your hands. Keep this right leg floating. Good. If most of the weight is in the hands, shift it back fully into the foot and see if you can bring your hands to heart center. Use your back muscles here. Open the chest, push the heel behind. You're a seesaw. One more breath. As gracefully as you can, touch your right toes behind you. Reach the arms to the sky. High crescent, inhale. Soften into your exhale. Take one more breath in. Good, let's open out into warrior two. Right heel comes down, left arm opens forward. Okay. A little bit longer stance. And again, just check the alignment of your knee. Make sure it's pointing forward, somewhere between the second and third toe. Your back toes are turned forward, just a little bit at an angle so that you can use the outer edge of your foot. Okay. Where are your shoulders in relation to your hips? If you tend to lean really far forward, you're probably feeling more weight in your front foot. Bring the shoulders back over the hips. Now find a spot beyond your left middle finger and let your eyes rest there and see if you can keep all of this in balance. Two more breaths. Relax the face and the jaw. One more inhale. Good, inhale, flip your left palm, take it up, reverse warrior. Keep the bend of your left knee. Feel the downward energy through the legs and the upward energy moving through the side body to the fingers. Good, one more breath here. Now keep this left arm lifted, straighten out your left leg by pushing out of your left big toe mound. Last breath. Exhale carries you down to the floor. Step your left leg to the back of the mats. Let's move through your vinyasa. Elbows in as you lower. Inhale, some amount of heart opener. Flip your feet, toenails down. Exhale, send it up and back. Okay. From here, we'll bring the knees down. Sit back onto the heels, child's pose. Let your head relax toward the floor. Let go of effort. Soften the shoulders, let the elbows drop into the ground. No matter what is thrown at you, your body is always trying to find that middle line. And you could probably feel that as you were wobbling through your balances. As soon as something started to go a little bit too far to the right, your body tried to shift itself back toward the left. You lean a little too far forward, your body tries to pull you back in. So your body has a lot of sensors that give you signals, right? That tell you where you are in space, where things are in relation to others. All we have to do is get out of our own heads and experience those sensations so that you can start to make decisions based on what your body's telling you. It goes the same way that when we're stuck in anxious mode 
you're very worried about something, you're very frustrated about something, physical sensations start to pop up. Gritting of teeth, clenching of the hands, maybe you have like a nervous tick, you tap things, you shake your leg. Those are your signals that your body is sending you to go, hey, something's up, something's not, not quite right, you're a little off kilter. Soften your mind to those experiences, those sensations, so that you can bring it back to the middle. So that you don't get stuck and attached to any one direction or another. Take one more breath here. And we're going to start to crawl your fingers over toward the right edge of your mat. Send a little more weight back into your left hip. Now go as far over to the right as you need to feel enough through the left side body. Let the head relax. Feel your breath expand into the left ribs. Two deep breaths here. One more inhale. Walk the hands back through center. Let's take it over to the other side. Send a little more weight into your right hip. And again, go as far as you need to feel enough through that right side. Good. Breathe deeply into the ribs, all the way down to the hip. Two more breaths in. One more inhale. Bring the hands back through center. From here, we'll tuck the toes and lift the hips, coming back into a downward-facing dog. From your downward-facing dog, lift your right heel high. Step your right foot toward the outside of your right wrist. You might need to heel-toe your foot a little bit more to the right so you have plenty of space. And then we'll relax your left knee down toward the floor. Relax your left toes behind you. If you feel like you're a little stuck, walk your right foot more forward so that you're in a little longer of a lunge until you really start to feel something happening in the hips. And then from there, you might grab one of your blocks or both blocks, and you might bring forearms onto your blocks. Now work from here. We're working into this right hip. We're also opening the left hip crease. You're not feeling enough yet. You're starting to make a shopping list in your mind. Deepen it. Walk that right foot more forward. Maybe you let your hips get a little heavier. You're too deep into it. You hate every single moment. Back out of it. I was teaching class on Friday, and I, I always jokingly, when we're doing something like half split or working a little deeper, I have to remind people, like, you do not need to feel ripping sensations through your groin when we're working split. And people laugh, and yet there are people who come into class, and they look like they're they in the most excruciating pain. So you do not need to be there. Come to a place where you're feeling just enough that you're staying with this one breath at a time. Enough sensation that your mind has no choice but to pay attention to right now. Okay, 
You're here for three more deep breaths in. Bless you. One more breath here. And we'll gently come back onto the hands. Pick up your back knee. Send your right leg up and behind into a three-legged dog. And let's move through this right hip. You can bend the knee, take your knee through some circles. You can kind of just open and close the hip a few times. Wiggle out your foot, whatever you need here. And then we'll set your right foot down. And let's go to the other side. Left leg up, inhale. Step it toward the outside of your left hand. You might need to wiggle that foot a little bit more to the left. Give yourself more space. And then bring your right knee down. Now make some adjustments before you lower any further. You might need a little bit more length. You can wiggle that left foot forward a little more. Maybe this left side is the side that doesn't want to open as much. So don't force yourself to go at the same depth as you did on the right side. Do what's right for this side. Now where can you relax? Is it in that back set of toes? Is it in the face or the jaw? Maybe it's in the hip itself. Maybe the hip doesn't really want to open yet. It's, it's barking at you. Maybe you need a little bit of movement there, a little wiggle and see if it starts to relax. Actively tell those muscles to let go. Do you feel enough? Can you stay with this pose breath by breath, moment by moment? Take three more deep breaths in. Two more. One more inhale. Start to gently press yourself back off of your blocks or off the floor. Pick up your right knee. Send your left leg up to the sky. Let's take some movement. Get some blood moving through there. When you're done, let's bring the feet to the front of your mat and then roll yourself down onto your back. Hug your knees into the chest once you get onto your back. Gentle rock side to side. Just feel your low back into the floor. Close your eyes, start to go in. We'll take a happy baby from here. So knees will go wide, elbows on the insides of your knees, grab for your feet or your toes and then pull these knees down to either side of your ribs. Try to keep the low back toward the floor. This could be static, just pulling these legs down, or you could add a side-to-side -side rock. You could add an extension of one leg and then the other. From here, extend your left leg long on the ground. Keep your right knee into the chest. We're going to pick up your hips, scoop them over to the right, and then we're going to drop your knee over to the left. So coming into a spinal twist. Right knee to the left, hips move to the right. 
relax the head, relax the shoulders. If you have room, maybe extending your right arm out to the side or a little cactus elbow and just let that right shoulder get a little heavier. Gently bring your knee back through center, reset your hips. Nice tight squeeze in the knee into the body. And then let's switch your legs. Left knee in, scoot the hips to the left, knee goes over to the right, coming into your twist. If you've got a little room, let your left shoulder blade find the floor. Close your eyes. Can you soften your belly and then allow the weight of your limbs to bring you deeper into the twist. Two more slow breaths here. Gently bring the leg back through center, reset your hips, squeeze this knee into your belly. Good, and then bring your right knee into the chest as well. Any final little rocking movements, feel free to take them. And then from here, we'll set up for Shavasana. So take up some space, legs go long. Take your feet as wide as your mat. If you've got some props around, just shove them out of the way. If you want to use your blanket or your bolster, either under the body or on top of the body, feel free to do that. Turn your palms up toward the ceiling and then flatten your shoulder blades down into the floor. Move your hands away from your body a few inches. Let the back of the head get really heavy. Close your eyes here. Start to lighten the breath, a little less controlled. Feel the breath flow in and out of the body. Can you revel in each breath? Feel all that glorious oxygen coming in. Let the exhale carbon dioxide escape out. Feel your shoulder blades get a little bit heavier. From the surface level of your body, let go of any gripping. Maybe you feel it just on the skin. Maybe you feel it in your fingers or toes. Now go in another level, your big muscle groups, and see if you can let them get a little bit more jelly-like, softening and relaxing against the bones. Go another level in and feel the breath relax into the body. One more level deeper than that, your energy body. 
You do not have any tension or restriction holding back the flow of energy. It's freely flowing all the way to the tips of your fingers coming back in. It's moving the full length of your body from toes to the top of the head and back. It's going from the center of the heart out to the edges and then back to the center. Vairagya, non-attachment, demands joyfulness and gratefulness. It's asking you to pay attention to what you have, to find joy in that, instead of dwelling on the things that you don't have anymore or the things that you don't need. We talked that first week about just laying out your baggage, all the clutter that's in your head, pulling it out of the closets, putting it all out there. We examine the things that we pulled out. What are we hoarding? What are we grasping to? And we Marie Kondo'd it, right? It did not bring you joy. Well, get rid of it. There's no purpose to that item. Give it to somebody else who might need it more. We come to a place of impermanence, acceptance, for good or for bad. Things won't last forever, so enjoy what you have when you have it. Things won't last forever, so those things that you don't need anymore, those things that are holding you back, let it go. Things falling apart is a kind of testing and also a kind of healing. We think that the point is to pass the test or to overcome the problem, but the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. Then they come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, and for joy.
start to deepen the breath. Invite gentle movement back into your fingers and into your toes. Circle your wrists and your ankles. Reach your arms overhead. Take a full body stretch. Yawn, move your jaw around. We'll draw the knees into the chest and roll over to the right coming into fetal position. Give yourself a few breaths on your side. Keeping the eyes closed or soft, start to press yourself up to a comfortable seat. Bring the palms to touch at heart center. And let's seal our practice today with a single OM. You'll take a full breath in through your nose. Sigh it out. Inhale to chant. Oh. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Finding Drishti Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please tell your family and friends. And if you're local to Austin, you can find my public teaching schedule at findingdrishti.com.